Hallelujah. I'm going to let you be seated, and I encourage you to get your Bibles out. I am going to do some reading here from a few passages of Scripture. Why don't you turn to Acts chapter 1. We'll start there. I want to say thank you to all of you that help on a ongoing basis with our anger management classes. I got to be here last night and see a little bit of what goes on there. And uh, I appreciate your commitment, your efforts there. It's, it's touching this city, whether we know it or not, whether we think about it or whether we even see what all is taking place. I know that it's touching this city, and I'm thankful for that. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 is where I'm going to start. I want to focus on verse 6, but I want to start reading at verse 3 so you can see where we're, where we're reading here. So this is uh, as Jesus has resurrected after the crucifixion. It says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Catch that phrase. He, after four, for 40 days, he spoke to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, we know that he also spoke a lot about things pertaining to the kingdom of God before he was crucified, while he was alive. Many of his parables, remember, he would say the kingdom of God is like, such as the kingdom of God. And he would say many things about it. Well, and he resurrected and he just picked back up there, talking again about the kingdom of God. Everyone say the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. That's kind of a segue into the 40 days after he was crucified. That he was teaching and talking about the kingdom of God to give the, giving them instruction. And he foreshadows the fact that they will receive the Holy Ghost. And stay in Jerusalem until you get it. Not many days hence. That's what he, the, it is nice when the Lord gives a time frame such as. Not many days hence. Now, of course, even still, that's not uh, to our liking a lot of times because how many days is not many days hence? I mean, is, are we talking about three, 
Are we talking about seven? Are we talking about 14? 30? 100? I mean, you, you can, if you want to be more precise, Lord, that's, that's great with me. But he just says, tarry in Jerusalem till you endued, be endued with power. And not many days hence. Now, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time, at this time, at the time that is not many days hence, at the time that we will receive the promise, the Holy Ghost, that we're going to receive not many days hence, at that time will you restore the kingdom to Israel. I got to thinking about what that question meant to the disciples. Now, I put it in this context because I want you to see after his crucifixion, he arose and he's still talking about the kingdom of God. So, they... They had to witness him dying on the cross. They had to go through that period of mourning and grieving. And then they got to see him resurrected. And I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd be thinking, okay, all that we just did and and all that was just accomplished in that time, what's next? What's new? What's exciting? (laughs) What's the new dimension that we are entering into? The new phase that we're entering into? And he just continues to talk about the kingdom of God. Things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It says he he showed himself by many infallible proofs. So that, that to me kind of sounds like miracles. So he's doing miracles and he's talking about the kingdom of God, which is exactly the thing that he was doing before he was crucified. For 40 more days, he goes on and does that. And now the disciples are like, okay, we've, we've seen and heard all of this before. What's the newness? When is something new going to take place? And who's it going to involve? Because you keep talking about this kingdom, the kingdom of God and how it needs to be established, how it needs to be um, uh, in the earth as it is in heaven. And we want to we, we know we, we're, we get you. We can, we, we can we're picking up what you're putting down the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Yes. OK. Is that when? You're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. That was their question. Because, here's the reason why. They're looking backwards in time to the past, to a time when kingdom, when Israel did have a kingdom established. And so they're saying, will you restore again the kingdom? Are you going to make Israel a nation again with a king? Because that is, again, looking back, that's what the Israelites, and then fast forward all these hundreds of years, even to the disciples, that's what they look back to as their success, if I can put it that way. When they were on the map, 
when they were established as a kingdom. So, he's, so they say, is this your plan? Are you going to make Israel a kingdom again? And restore the kingdom to Israel? Now again, that's why they're asking. They're, they're looking back at a time they knew when things were good. And their question is, is that how you're going to do it again? And is this when you're going to do it again? Because they've heard the spiritual teaching about the kingdom, but they only can relate to the natural memories of a kingdom. So Jesus' answer to that, he says it here in verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. So, in other words, I'm not going to tell you. Your, the question that you just asked me does not require an answer to suffice your knowledge. Parenting terms, we call that because I said so. When why and why and why and why continues to be asked and asked and asked and asked. And sometimes you try to answer it for a little while, right? Why is the sky blue? Well, uh, well, if we talk scientifically for a little bit and the, the sky and the reflection of the ocean and yeah, but okay, then why is the ocean blue? Well, I don't know. You think about the, poly, the, the particles that make it up. Well, okay, why are those particles? Okay, that's enough. Because I said so. Or what we say is because God made it that way. So, Jesus' answer to his disciples when they say, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He says... I'm not telling you because I said so. It doesn't matter to you at what time. It's not for you to know. We can have one of two reactions, if we want to be honest, to being told none of your business. Most often, the reaction that we have is probably one of offense. What do you mean it's none of my business? It, it pertains to me, right? You want me to be a part of your kingdom, right? You actually just told me to go put my life on hold and go there and stay there until, and that's open-ended, and then you're going to tell me none of my business? So that's one reaction. Or, if we truly think about it, the second reaction can be, thank the Lord, I don't have to worry about that. You've taken the responsibility off of me. The weight of that responsibility is not my decision. I just get to trust it. Now, because
I want to th- I'm thinking about which way to go with this. Because I grew up in church hearing all about uh, the coming of the Lord, the rapture. And in my mind, when I think about the promises and the word of God being fulfilled, coming to fruition, I think of that as, okay, he's going to, all that has happened in time up until now to 2020, all the Old Testament, the New Testament, the things being, prophecies being fulfilled, and we're in this span of time up until the next span of time, which we know is the end times, or many would say we are in the end times. Scriptures call this the last days. I believe fully that we are in the last days. And so with that belief and that knowledge, okay, I'm in the last days, and that has an end. And then we, have, we enter more span of time, more uh, Bible prophecy, the next dimension, the next whatever you would call it, dispensation. And we're, we're just moving from one thing to the next. So my mind goes to, when is this going to end? What do I do from now until the dot, dot, dot? When the Lord would say, it's none of your business. Not for you to know the times or the seasons. But I want to look at what the scripture says about this. Um, first, look at the book of Zephaniah. We're going to go back in the Old Testament just for, for one verse here. Zephaniah chapter 1. We don't go here very often, and I'm not going to take the time to read throughout this entire chapter, but it talks a lot here about the last days or the end times or the coming of the Lord. Um, I just want to read you this one verse as it highlights um, what's going to happen here. And really, when the scripture says, I will do this, It's the Lord giving us an indicator of, is this being done? Is it, because when he's doing it, he's fulfilling what he said he's going to do. So Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12. This is a prophet writing here. He says, it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish. Everyone say punish. Everyone say punish. Okay. That's a mindset for you. The Lord's punishment. And I'm going to be completely honest and I'll put all the chips on the table here again and say, growing up as a Pentecostal, this is something that you got to hear and learn and read and hear preached a lot about, especially back when in in my younger days. And we think of the end times, the last days, as the Lord's punishment or the, even the precursor to his punishment. But so what he says, the, the Lord, okay, I got to pause for a second. The Lord is a loving God. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He is not willing that any should perish. If he had his way, he would not have to punish one person. That's his will. That's his will. 
The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But what he says here is, in the last days, because men will not come to repentance, because men will perish, this is how it's going to happen. Or this is a, a, a part of what you are going to see happen. I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees. I'm going to read that in a different translation just so you understand what he's talking about. But he says, the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, the Lord, watch this, this is what they say in their heart, the Lord will do will not do good, neither will he do evil. The Lord is searching for the people who are saying in their hearts, he's not going to do good or evil. It says, another uh, translation says, I will punish the men who are complacent. Punish those who are settled in complacency. Punish those who sit complacent in their sins. Punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs. Punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. That's why when the, when the King James says those who sit on their lees, it's like, what does that mean? Is it lees jeans? Wasn't that a brand back in the day? That's not what we're talking about. He's talking about those who are complacent. They are sitting in their complacency. And they're sitting back there saying, Oh, I know they've been talking about the Lord all these years. People have been reading the Bible all these years. I've been listening to my friends, my relatives. My relatives. All that side of the family. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what the Bible says here. And I've been listening to them, and they say God's going to. Or one day this is going to happen. And expect this. And, and they're talking about prophecies and, and end times. And, and I just I don't see it happening. Furthermore, they, they, they tell you how you're supposed to live. Uh, okay. This is, uh, I'm playing the role of somebody that's sitting on their lees, okay? I didn't think I'd ever use that sentence, but that's what it is. Someone who is in, in their complacency. Now, my friend, Kyle Woods, he goes around talking about Jesus. And, and talking about what the Lord did for him and how he's a terrible person, but now he's, you know, he's getting better and improved, all his, how his life has changed and, and he tells me that, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. <laughs> I promise you this did not come out of anger management last night, okay? I was here, but I was not thinking about this then. But if you put someone in that seat, and, and, and long enough, time after time, they're hearing it said, I, they have to, Okay? 14 weeks, they have to at least hear it, at least that many times. <laughs> 
do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. We're just trying to help. We're not laying down, uh, you know, guidelines and rules and prove to me that you fall. No, we're just trying to help. But somebody in their complacency has, will say, I've heard this so many times, and I don't see God punishing so-and-so. And furthermore, I don't see Brother Kyle Woods and all of his churchgoers rolling in, in the dough and, and driving all the nicest cars, living in the biggest houses. I don't see the blessing of God. This is, a, this is a carnal mindset, okay? And so, I just don't think God really does the good or the evil. Oh, it's a dangerous mentality. A dangerous mentality. Because you're trying to look with the carnal mind and judge and weigh the things of the Spirit. That's who the Lord says here in Zephaniah. He's going to search for those. And now furthermore, he's searching for those who say it where? In their heart. Brother Kyle. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep, same group. Um, Those that are neither hot nor cold. So they're... They say this in their hearts. We get to talking about the heart, and and now we're including everybody that's got a heart. Brother Vance? Yes, in their spirit. Mm -hmm. Right, it's not the organ. It's the spirit, the inside of the man. So internally, the man is having this conversation with himself, I don't see the Lord doing the good that he's supposed to be doing, supposedly doing. And I don't see the Lord doing the evil that he supposedly would do. Now again, we're talking about the day that's reserved to judgment. Thank the Lord there is a day reserved to judgment. Because if not... Every single one of this in this room could just be zapped at one time or another in our past. I don't know about you, but I have not been perfect my whole life. And there has been a day in my life where the Lord could have come and said, This day I have reserved for your judgment. And you're not going to make it based on where you are. But thankfully... As I said before, he is full of grace and he is full of mercy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Now I want you to look. Look at 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to do a bit of reading here. Chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. We're going to read a bit in chapter 4 and chapter 5 here. 
Now we, we, we've heard what Jesus told his disciples about the times and the seasons. We've heard what, a little bit about what one prophet said about what Jesus is going to do at that time, in that season. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul is writing to the church here. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That's New Testament, King James Version of saying those that are dead. Okay? Those that are dead. I would not have you be ignorant concerning those that are dead. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. So he's talking about, Paul's talking about anyone that's alive. When this happens, he says we're not going to prevent them which are, are asleep. If you study that word out to prevent, it doesn't mean like keep them from going. It means go ahead of them. They, are, they have died. They are, they are dead in Christ. And those of us that are alive, he's saying we're not going to take their place. Or in other words... He's addressing those that are grieving about those that, are, that have died. He's saying, don't grieve. Because what we believe is this. He says, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Now, I've heard it said, I've heard it taught, that the, those simultaneous or, or, or events there, they are the same thing, okay? It's not like we're talking, first is this, this is going to happen, then this, and then this, and then this. No, when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, that is the same as the voice of the archangel, that is the same as the trump of God. <laughs> Maybe it's the old songs that I heard that put this in my mind. Um, I grew up somewhat on Southern gospel and uh, just that and hymnals. The, uh, can we just be real for a minute? Put some of that on your playlist. I know you think I'm crazy and you don't have to listen to it when other people are around. You don't have to blare it if you don't want to. But the, the, the lyrics and the, the thoughts and, and the things that those types of songs promote is, an, is a mindset that we're talking about here that says, I'm watching for this. I'm listening for this. I'm looking for this. I'm expecting this. In such, that is my faith. It's an expression of my faith. I, I grew up expecting at any time a trumpet is just going to blow in my ears. <laughs> and when I heard it, 
Now, what's changed? The only thing that's changed is I've gotten older. I still believe it. I still believe that one day, just as this verse says, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the sound of a trumpet. Now, what that, what that action signifies, as Paul's writing here, it is a call to those that are dead. It's a wake-up call. The dead in Christ shall rise first. When that happens, the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll say this really quickly. The only way to be... Okay, please hear me. We're going to try to, I'm going to try to say it and move on. The only way to be dead in Christ, those that are dead in Christ, the only way to be dead in Christ is to be living in Christ at the time you died. I'll say it one more time, now so I'm going to try to move on. The only way to be dead in Christ is to be living in Christ at the time you died. The dead in Christ. The dead in Christ. That is a specific group of the dead. The dead in Christ. Not all the dead. Is that okay? Not all the dead are dead in Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. You want to blow the mind of an unbeliever. Just point out these scriptures right here and tell them you really think it's going to happen. I really think it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know when. The Lord told me that's none of my business. But I'm looking for it. And he did tell me to live expecting it. Knowing that it's going to happen. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what Brother Vance just says of Scripture that says one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years with the Lord is as one day. This is why Paul was just a few days ago in the Lord's timing when he wrote these things to the church. Not just this, everything that he wrote to the church, that was just a few days ago. It still applies. Until, now here, catch this. Until the turning of the page with the changing of time and the changing of a dispensation, everything that has started 
and taken place from the start of that dispensation to the end of it. It's all in the same book. It's all on the same day. It's all on the same page to God. Now, newsflash, what we're talking about, 1 Thessalonians, is our dispensation. That's why I can say it just happened a few days ago. It's still relevant. It still applies. First, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. First Thessalonians 5 and 1, he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. It's not doing me any good to put this pencil down on this paper and be telling you about the times and the seasons. Now he says, verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. In other words, when I was there with you in Thessalonica, we talked about this. We got this straight. We got it clear. The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. That has not changed. So it's not going to do me any good to sit here and try and give you more of that. To give you more of things to watch for, things to look for, signs, times, seasons. That's not what we're doing because you know it's going to come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety. That, okay, okay, time out. Time out. He just changed from me and you in the church what we already got clear, what we already know, to they. They is talking about a different group. When they shall say peace and safety, not you, not me. We have peace, we have safety. We had it yesterday, we have it today, we're going to have it tomorrow. We're going to always have it because we have the peace giver. We have the one that protects us. So we have our peace and our safety. This is not applying to us. When they shall say peace and safety. When someone who is not used to peace and is not used to safety looks out over their life, over their climate, over their outlook and says we finally got it made we finally have peace we finally are in a place of safety then sudden destruction shall come upon them that's that kind of sounds like the guy who's sitting there in his lees right the levi guy the lord just doesn't do what he says he's going to do He's not, he doesn't do bad. He doesn't do good. This is just how it's always going to be. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child and they shall not escape. Verse 4. But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief.
Everybody catch that? You're not in darkness. That day is not going to overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. How could this day not overtake me? If I don't know, if I've already approached the Lord and said, when is your return going to be? And he, instead of saying, it's this day on the calendar. If it, it, he doesn't do that. He hasn't done that. He doesn't, he, I don't know of one single person he's ever done that to. There have been people, we're not going to go down that road. But he doesn't do that. He hasn't done that. And so... If I know that he's not going to overtake me as a thief in the night. Let's talk about that analogy for just a minute. A thief in the night. What gets taken, or as this says, overtaken? When, when you have something you don't want a thief to get, you lock it, you, you hide it, you protect it, you do whatever you can. These are my possessions. These are the things that I'm taking care of. I am not going to let anything happen to these things then you've got something that can be stolen. And as a thief, as it happens, the thief in the night comes and he overtakes. So really what we're talking about here, what I have, my possessions, my life can be snatched away from me. If I'm viewing it as such, I have got three more years of college and that cannot be taken away. Boom, it's taken away. I have got this much money in the bank in my savings and that cannot be, boom, it's taken away. I have got a brand new Harley Davidson in the garage I don't, I don't even go and look at it usually because I'm afraid if I open the door, some, boom, it can be taken. Those are the things that can be overtaken by a thief in the night. So what I really am doing with my life is saying, Lord, it's already yours. You can't come and steal something that I gave to you. So I am not worried about being overtaken Because it's already his. I've already given it to him. Verse 6. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Verse 9, 
This is the last verse. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. He's not appointed us to wrath. Uh, He's not appointed us to wrath. We are not those sitting in complacency that he's looking for and that he's going to punish. That's not me. That's not you. If we're living according to his word, if we're living after his will, he's not appointing us to wrath. He's not deciding and looking for the day, okay, when can I make things bad for Elena? When can I pour out my wrath on Brother Vance? He has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. This scripture goes hand in hand with the scripture I referenced earlier. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. That, that's two sides of the human life and our eternity. Those are the two sides of it. One side is wrath, punishment from him. The other side is salvation. Repentance. Salvation through repentance. That's his plan. That's his will. Why don't you stand with me? Yes, Brother Vance. Right. Amen to that. Amen to that. Why don't you stand with me? The the reason why the Lord can say, no man knows the day or the time, is because... (laughs) Because every man has a different day and a different time. You don't know yours. You don't know mine. You don't know the person sitting next to you. He has that reserved unto judgment. The, 
I feel like the Lord is trying to give us things that can help us tonight. Things that can help us with our own walk with Him, our own salvation, our own understanding. But also, whether you ever get to share or reteach this type of a lesson, or if you just, in your own mind, know with assurance, this is His Word The word of God is forever settled in heaven. It does not change. All we have is this day, this time. Scripture says you're not promised tomorrow. The scripture says we're not promised tomorrow. Why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, God, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I turn it over to you tonight, Lord, this night. Jesus, I disavow ownership of myself. You are the King. You are the Lord. You're the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want there to be nothing that I'm holding on to that can be stolen and taken away as a thief in the night. God, I'm making the decision, the choice right now to hand it all over to you. To lay my life down for you. Jesus, I put it in your hands and I trust you with it. I put it in your hands, Father. My life is in your hands, O God. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. God, in you there is no changing. In you there is no turning. All of your words are sure. All of your promises are sure, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we're watching for that day. We're trusting and believing in that day. In the name of Jesus, he katahaye adhamahaya. Yadolo satahaye ikasatahai. Jesus, I just want to be right in your eyes. Lord, I just want to be right in your eyes. I want my life to be right, pleasing to you, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the scripture says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die, 
and after that the judgment. There is no... I, I, hear me, I'm trying to... I'm, I'm almost done. There is no earthly or natural um, action that we could view as the judgment of God. Now, it's all in his hands. He's in control of everything. But he doesn't respond through judgment. He responds through love. He responds in mercy. That's how he operates. We, we, we oftentimes, just again in our carnal mind, will say, something bad happened this must be the Lord's judgment. I know I, I've referenced this at least two or three times now. The worst thing that could happen to you here in this earth is that he would just remove himself from your situation. We, when he does that, it's not judgment. It's his response to you, to us, to our actions. I've walked down this road with you as far as I can walk. If you're going to keep going that direction, I'm going to stop right here. And you keep going. And whatever happens to you there is a result of your actions. That's the result. And I, I'm right here. These are, my, these are my principles. This is where I stand. If you want to walk with me, you know where to find me. Oh, but you're so mean. You haven't blessed me enough. You haven't given me enough. I'm right here. These are my principles. You know where to find me. If we just stay with him. We use that term so much, I think we don't always know what it, think about what it looks like. Walk with Him. Walk with Him. I don't walk with the Lord by saying, here's where I'm going today, you want to go with me? Oh, you don't? Okay, you just must not love me, you must not want to walk with me. No. I don't get to start off the day by saying, here's where I'm going. Do you want to go that direction? Unless I'm okay with the fact that if I'm, I'm going there without you, if you don't want to go there. But I start off instead with the simple question, where are we going today? What is, you know what today is going to look like. I just want to walk with you in that way. If I'm doing that, if I'm doing that, if that is a, an expression of my life and what my life looks like, how could something overtake me as a thief in the night? It's not going to happen. Because I'm with Him. I'm walking with Him. I fully, completely believe Paul and those like Paul Woke up every day expecting 
Is this the day that I'm going to leave this earth and meet you? Not in dread, not in fear and worry, and not, not even with... That sounds kind of spooky and superstitious. That's not what I mean. I, I'm saying, Paul, he says it. For me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I would much rather be there with the Lord than here with you. No offense. I added that last part. But he's saying, as long as I'm here, I'm helping the church. And I'm good with that. Even if it means thrown in prison. Even if it means taken to have unspeakable acts done against me. If that's why I'm here to help the church, then I'm okay with that. But I, I just, I don't, I don't doubt it at all. He would wake up and think, maybe this is the day. I'm going to go the direction that you gave me. And until you change it. And whenever you decide to change it, I'm good with that. I'm waiting for that. I'm expecting and hoping for that. He said, Paul said, we must be ready always to give answer of the hope that lies within us. The hope that lies within me is not that someday I'll get enough promotion that I can live comfortably. That's not the hope that lies within me. I can't give an answer to a man for that. The hope that lies within me is my eternal salvation, my eternal security. There shall I ever be with the Lord. That is my hope. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you've offered us this hope. Lord, I, come on, would you close your eyes and just talk to the Lord for a minute. Lord, I thank you that you've offered me this hope. Lord, I thank you. I receive what you have prepared for me, Father. I receive it. There is nothing in this world that could match what you have prepared for me. The life that you've prepared for me, God, here on this earth and in eternity. There is nothing that could take the place of that. I just want to walk with you, Lord. I just want to walk with you, Jesus. Would you just express that to the Lord for a little bit? Let that be our prayer as we close tonight. Lord, we want to walk with you every day, Lord Jesus. I want to be led by you in my walk with you. I want to be led with you in my relationship with my family. I want to be led by you as I work through my job. I want to be led by you as I fellowship with my brothers and my sisters in your body. I want to be led by you as I witness and share your word and the greatness of your spirit, Lord, all the great things you've done. 
Lord, I want that to be led by you. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, I, I, I'm, this is the last thing I'm going to say. I promise. I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one is, what are you willing to do for God? The second question is, what are you not willing to do for God? Now, you can go home and fill that in. Think about that. Amen. Amen. Why don't you greet one another, shake each other's hands, fellowship a little if you'd like, and you're dismissed.